Welcome to another bonus episode of Sleep Whispers. Now, my intention for this outdoor whispered recording was that I was going to do it after or during like a snowstorm because it can be so quiet afterwards and I I haven't done that kind of recording yet of in snow and then I could walk in the snow and it would have that nice snow crunch sound to it. My reason that I thought I'd be able to do that at this time of the year, meaning this week, is there's been a lot of predictions for this winter for there being a lot of snow. Or another way to put it generally is a prediction for a lot of precipitation during the cold season. Well, they got that sort of right because as you can probably hear, it is raining. And I'm sitting inside my outdoor tent. And I think this is my my second outdoor rain recording. I, I think I did one before where I was either in my tent or walking around outside with an umbrella. I can't remember. Okay, now you're going to hear something else. Not just the rain, but the wind is blowing. And so it's blowing the sides of my tent. So you hear all that fabric swaying in the, in the wind. Can you hear that? And if you hear like a little metal uh, clinking sound, those are the zippers on the tent flaps. In my last outdoor recording, I think that one was inside this tent, which was like a backyard camping episode update number four, or something ridiculous like that. So, I guess this recording will serve as an update. It's, uh, I probably should have checked the date of that prior recording and when I put this thing up. Uh, it's been several months since I put up the mega dent. And one of my worries is that it was going to blow over. It hasn't blown over. It's been very steady and sturdy and reliable. That has been a, uh, a great, I don't want to say bonus. That shouldn't be a bonus. That should just be what happens. Another worry was that it might leak. 
setup, the way it's set up is that it has a hard top on it, but then all the fabric walls um, just kind of hang down to the floor. So the good news is that it doesn't leak from above, and I wasn't confident because I put the thing together myself, and it was a pain. As I was putting it together, I was concerned that it might leak, because I assembled it. But so far, so good. I'm sitting inside it while it's raining, and I don't see any drops coming down. Now, does that mean that it is completely dry inside the tent? And the answer is no, because the fabric walls just hang down, and there's no built-in floor. Instead, it just sits on my back porch, and I've laid down a bunch of rocks under the tent.
updates. I haven't made any changes to the entire structure since the last recording about the Megadent, except for one important change. In that prior recording, I described the couch that I had in there as a futon that I took out of my room and the sides fall down and it was really good. It was almost perfect. There were just two problems with it. Problem number one is that it didn't have a, a dedicated footrest. I know, don't laugh at me, that's such a first world problem. But when my wife and I are out here and we're watching movies in the tent on the iPad, we like to put our feet up. You know, you're the same way, I'm sure. You like to lean back, put your feet up, watch the movie, recline, relax, enjoy. Well, what I did was I just created footrests. It's not that complicated. I tried using a kind of a small table and that worked pretty well, but it was a little bit too high. So then I switched over to a, um, trying to think what you call it. It's those big plastic totes that you store stuff in. So a storage tote is, maybe that's the actual name for it. But they're like a, a foot or so high and a couple feet across. And you can put like a, a comforter inside it or several lots of blankets. But that worked pretty well. It was made out of plastic. So I didn't really worry about it uh, being out here outside. And to make it comfortable, I just put a pillow on top of it. And then I could rest my feet on it. As a footrest. I mean, I, I made it work, but it was kind of clunky. The other sort of big problem with the futon that I took out of my bedroom is that it's an indoor futon. It's not meant to be outside for long periods of time. So what would happen is Every day or every several days, I would get a little bit worried um, if there was maybe mold growing on the, the cushions because they're designed for indoor use. And throughout the summer and now going into the fall and then heading into the winter, there's going to be a lot of humidity and rain and wetness. And all of that could cause some problems in the, the cushions that came with the futon. So I knew I needed to get a better option with my two big hopes. One.
it could be something that is designed to be outside and it comes with a very suitable footrest. Good news. I found something that has really worked out well. The material is designed for outdoor use. I know I'm going to say this wrong. Raton. And it's, it looks like wicker weaved material, but it's plastic. I'm sure you know how to say that word. So it is made out of this plastic material that is created for leaving it outside. I assume the cushions also have whatever material is better more ideal, um, suitable for being outside. Alright, that's the general material. So what does it look like? It's a two-seater love seat with brown fabric upholstery on it. Now, it has some really cool features, which made it ideal out here in the tent for what we want to use it for. The back that you lean against can decline. So you can either sit up straight or you can recline a little bit or both the back rests go completely flat. I haven't done it yet but we could sleep out here and have an overnight more realistic camping experience. Additional important thing for that visual is that the footrest is the exact width of the love seat. So if you do make the backrests go flat, then you just push the footrest up against the front of it. And it's now the, the length of a human body. And it's the width of two human bodies with that wind's kicking up. Now the fabric is moving all around in the wind, but the roof and the poles are not moving. So that's that's a good sign. The other This new outdoor love seat is that it has built-in tables, side tables, on each end. So if we bring drinks and snacks or whatever, there's a little. Um, it's it's built into the side of the love seat. On each side is you just kind of lift up little handle and then a side table just pops up and so you don't need to put tables around it which is good because then they're not in the way if you need a table you just pop up the little mini side table that comes out of the side of it and when you're done you push it back down and then it's out of the way so my wife and I were really happy with this love 
episode and I decided what I would do with the extra time is just read some information about tents, real tents, all types of real tents and this Wikipedia page is not going to mention anywhere that putting a gazebo on your back porch qualifies as a Of 
origin of tents. Tents were first used as portable homes by nomads, but tents are now more often used for recreational camping and as temporary shelters. Now they talk about how tents can differ in sizes with something really large being like a circus tent and then a small, the smallest size tent is a bivouac. I don't know what a bivouac is. Do you know what a bivouac is? I've heard the word before. I'm going to assume from the context of this statement it's a tent for one person. I'm going to click the link and see what they, how they explain a bivouac. A bivouac shelter, or bivy, is any of a variety of improvised campsite or shelter that is usually of a temporary nature, used especially by soldiers. Okay, that's, that's how I've heard it referred is bivouac and soldiers. But I couldn't have told you what that meant. I might have guessed it was their food. I don't know. Um, but it's a shelter that's also used by people who are backpacking, bikepacking, scouting, or mountain climbing. What is the origin of the word bivouac? It explains that it derives from a Swiss-German word that means watch or patrol. It referred to an additional watch that would be maintained by a military or civilian force to increase vigilance at an encampment. Alright, that didn't really explain why bivouac means a tent for one person, unless, I guess it evolved to mean that when they were on duty, or they were guarding something, that maybe would happen overnight, and so they would need to sleep there, or, I don't know, get out of the wind. I'm going to go back to the article about tents, and dig some more into the history of tents. It says, a form of tent called a teepee, noted for its cone shape and beak, smoke hole, was also used by Native American tribes and Aboriginal Canadians of the Plains Indians since ancient times. So, yeah, I can visualize a teepee. Tents were used at least as far back as the early Iron Age. They are mentioned in the Bible. For example, in Genesis 4.20, Jabal is described as, quote, the first to live in tents and raise sheep and goats, end quote. The Roman army used leather tents copies of which have been successfully used by modern reenactors. 
Land mentions the yurt, which I do know about because I write about it on my Calm History podcast. The yurt, I think, was originated, or maybe it was just mostly used, by Mongolian tribes. So that's also like a like a makeshift tent, probably close to the size of my gazebo. Then there was a major technological advance as things like linen and hemp canvas were used instead of leather, which that's what the Romans had used. The article then explains the use of tents by the military. It says, armies all over the world have long used tents. Tents are preferred by the military for their quick setup and takedown compared to other shelters. And then there's just a lot of boring military stuff about tent regulations. Then they move on to recreational uses of tents, like with camping. And then they move on to explain how tents are also used as emergency shelters in certain situations. So, like situations of war, earthquakes, and fire can result in displaced people living in tents, and now those are often referred to as refugee camps or shanty towns. Alright, let's move on to the material that tents can be made out of. Tents can be made out of cotton, which is the same as canvas, nylon, felt, or polyester. absorbs water, so that cannot always be a good idea. It can become very heavy when it gets wet. Oh, but then they point out something really interesting, which I wouldn't have thought of. Once the cotton or the canvas gets wet, it swells the fabric. And that can almost make it, well, it says it makes it more waterproof than when it was dry. So that, maybe that's not always a bad idea. That, yeah, it's wet because it's not waterproof. But it still will protect you very well from the rain. Unless you have a canvas roof. And then it might be dripping through. I'm sure you can treat it. Oh, yeah, that's the next part. Cotton tents were often treated with paraffin to enhance water resistance. Now, of course, most tents that you would take out camping are probably not going to be made out of cotton or canvas. So the other material is nylon and polyester which they're not just water resistant, but they're much lighter, so easier 
Thank you. 